Well, amen. Good morning, church. Y'all doing all right this morning? Oh, man, anybody lose a little sleep last night? Everybody did. It's amazing y'all are here. Y'all are usually late to church anyway, and we're an hour early, and y'all made it. I'm kidding, but uh, so glad to be here. If you're a first-time guest or maybe watching uh, online, I uh, just want to say a special welcome to you. My name is Blake, and uh, I get the privilege to be one of the pastors here at Connection Church and also get to uh, teach, and so I love to teach the Bible. That is a joy of mine. If I'm not teaching it, I'm usually reading it. Uh, if I'm not reading it, I might be praying it or I might be talking about it. Anybody just love the Bible uh, in that way? Man, I love God's Word and so excited to be here. I want to invite you to look at the book with me, Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going uh, to preach God's Word. Let's pray together. Father, we love you and God, we just thank you for Jesus. God, we thank you that you made a way when there was no way. And God, I pray that you would just be here with us this morning and remind us, God, about how big you are and, God, how much we need you every day in our life. And we love you so much. In Christ's name, we pray. Uh, amen. A few summers ago, I decided I wanted to have a water fight with my kids and uh, got them two water pistols and set it on the kitchen table, told them to meet Dad in the backyard. Uh, what they didn't know was daddy was in the backyard, but they had water pistols. I had the water hose, okay? They never stood a chance, if that makes sense. And that's how I feel sometimes in this world as a Christian, trying to fight sin or trying to be a Christian in this world with everything going on. Sometimes I feel like, man, this is a battle. I can't win. I feel like I got this water pistol and the world's got the water hose. But then I'm reminded this is God's battle more than it is my battle. And then I'm reminded that God has already won on the cross. And so this morning we open a story up, and I, want to, I need you to know this. This is your story. And this is the story of the entire world. This is my story. And this is the story of the Bible uh, that God brings us out of bondage into freedom, that he wins the war, he fights for us, and he fought for us on a cross and said, it is finished. And so let's dive in together. Uh, chapter 14, verse 13. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will bring you today. And the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You need only to be still. That's two words parents say a lot, be still. I say that to my kids all the time. Would you just be still? Uh, that's what uh, God is telling us. Would you be still and look at me? 15, then the Lord said to Moses, why are you crying out to me? Tell the Israelites to move on. There's a time when you pray. There's a time when you move. And God says, Moses, it's time to move. Now raise your staff, stretch out your hand over the sea to divide the water so that the Israelites can go through the sea on dry ground. Now I want you to watch the active agent in the rest of the text. It's a whole lot of God here. A whole lot of God, God fighting. Verse 17, I will harden the hearts of the Egyptians so they will go in after them and I will gain glory through Pharaoh and all his army, through the chariots and his horsemen. All things are working out for the good of God's glory, good and evil for God's glory. 18, the Egyptians will know I am the Lord. I gain glory through Pharaoh and his chariots and his horsemen. And then the angel of God who had been traveling in front of Israel's army, because that's what God's presence does. It goes before us and it guides us. And then it says this. It says, it, it withdrew and went behind them and the pillar of cloud also moved from in front of them and stood behind them coming in between the armies of Egypt and Israel throughout the night the cloud brought darkness to the one side 
brought light to the other side, so neither went near the other all night long. And that's what God's presence in our life does. It's a light unto our feet. Like the, the word of God, it, it shines before us, but it also gets behind us and brings us security. Security for the people of God. 21, then Moses stretched out his hand over the sea, and all that night the Lord drove the sea back with a strong east wind and turned it into dry land, and the waters were divided, and the Israelites went through the sea on dry ground. On the count of three, say dry ground. One, two, three. With a well of water on their right and on their left, and the Egyptians pursued them, and all of Pharaoh's horses and chariots and horsemen followed them into the sea. And during the watch of the night, the Lord looked down from the pillar of fire and cloud at the Egyptian army and threw it into confusion. He jammed the wheels of their chariots. They had difficulty driving, and the Egyptians said, Let's get away from the Israelites. The Lord is fighting for them against Egypt. And then the Lord said to Moses, Stretch out your hand over the sea so that the waters may flow back over the Egyptians and their chariots and horsemen. And Moses stretched out his hand over the sea. And at daybreak, the sea went back into its place. And the Egyptians were fleeing toward it. And the Lord swept them into the sea the water flowed back and covered the chariots and the horsemen, the entire army of Pharaoh that had followed the Israelites into the sea. Not one of them survived. But the Israelites, well, they went through the sea on dry ground with a wall of water on their right and on their left. That day, the Lord saved Israel from the hands of of the Egyptians. And Israel saw the Egyptians lying dead on the shore. And when the Israelites saw the mighty hand of the Lord displayed against the Egyptians, the people feared the Lord and put their trust in him and in Moses, his servant. Now in chapter 15, two verses. They come through this sea. They come out the other side. The first thing they do is they praise the Lord. Watch this, verse one. Then Moses and the Israelites sang this song to the Lord. And we're still singing, because we just got done singing. But here's what they said. I'll sing to the Lord, for he is highly exalted, both horse and driver. He's hurled into the sea. The Lord is my strength, my defense, and he becomes my salvation he is my God, I will praise him, my Father's God, I will exalt him. He fought for the Israelites. That is fire. Now, I don't know what that does for you, but that makes me want to punch the devil right in the face, okay? There's a few things uh, we want to unpack from this, from this the, the word we just read. A few things that I want to talk about, and I want you to lean in, and I believe God will really work this morning. The first is this. We see the deliverance of the Lord. The deliverance of the Lord. Watch with me in verse 13. Moses answered the people, don't be afraid, stand firm, and you will see what? The deliverance the Lord will bring you today, and the Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. The story of Moses is a story about deliverance. That's the story that we just read. Well, what, what were they delivered from? What do we learn about God's deliverance? Well, A, we learn what they were delivered from. They're delivered from the grip of Egypt, the hands of Egypt. Verse 30 says, that day the Lord saved Israel from the hands of the Egyptians. And I want you to write this down. What Egypt was for them is what sin is to us. What Egypt was for them is what sin is to us. And what Egypt was for them is bondage. 430 years of being in slavery and bondage to the Israelites. They were recipients of it. Can you imagine just being born into bondage? Just born into chains. Just, just inheriting it through your heritage. Being ruled by every single day. They were ruled by their taskmasters. 
And then they had no way out. Just being, they were defined by, as a people, they were known as the slaves. They weren't just in slavery, they are slaves. And that's exactly what they were. And it robbed them from the life that God intended for them. And listen to me, there was no way out on their own. Welcome to your story. Welcome to our story because this is exactly what sin does in our life apart from Christ. It grips us. It has us in its hand. It entangles us apart from Christ. It grips us. Listen, we think we have a hold of sin. Sin has a hold of us. It has a hold of you. When your heart beat for the first time in your mother's womb, it was laced with sin. It just hadn't gave birth to it yet. It's a ticking time bomb uh, waiting to happen. And listen to me, it rules our life. Every area of our life. Man, you ain't whooping sin, sin's whooping you. Man, it's been beating us for years now apart from Jesus. Me trying to overcome sin in my life apart from Christ is like me trying to step in the ring with Floyd Money Mayweather. All right, who's getting knocked out? Not Floyd. Uh, me, for us, and that's exactly what sin does in our life. It rules our hearts, how we feel. Now, I can't even trust my own feelings. And, and your boy gets in his feelings sometimes, but man, I can't even trust my feelings. It rules our, man, it rules our heart, it rules our minds, how we think. That's why the Bible says you need to renew your mind. That's why the Bible says set your mind on things above because it rules our hearts. And it rules our minds and our thoughts. Man, if I could spend one day in some of y'all's minds, just an entire day, and, and I get to hear what some of y'all thought, y'all be at the halfway house somewhere. Y'all are crazy. And, and I know that some of y'all's thoughts belong on an episode of Jerry Springer. Okay, and I know this because mine too, right? And so the mind is the thoughts of the heart. It rules our hearts. It rules our minds, how we think. It rules our hands, what we do. It's the why behind the what's in everything of your life. It's the why behind the what's, the drama you have, the pain you feel, the hurt you hold on to, the, the yelling and the raising of your voice when your kids won't do what they want, what you want them to do. It's the sin in us. It's the why behind the what, the idols we uphold. And they're just the fruit of a deeper issue in our heart. The fruit of sin is rooted inside of us. This is how I survive youth ministry. Because I know that sin grips them. I mean, when they come in, just acting crazy. You know what I mean? And I've had people tell me all the time, man, I don't know how you do it. Man, how do you have so much patience? And sometimes I shock myself. I don't know, because a long time ago, I don't think I'd had the patience. But I know that sin grips them. And we're dead to sin. And parents, you need to know this. Your child, your good boy and good little girl that you love, man, so heartbreaking. Sin has a grip on their life. It does, and the only thing that's going to ungrip them is God. The only thing that's going to untangle them is the gospel. It's the why behind the what's in every area of our life, and it defines who we are. You're not a sinner because you sin. You sin because you are a sinner. You see, there's only two identities in this world. You understand? Only two. Saved and lost. You understand, that's the only two identities that there are. Some are lost in their goodness. Some people are lost in their badness, but both are lost apart from Christ. It's like being pregnant, baby. Anybody pregnant in here? Any, any, any girls ever been pregnant? Anybody? Nobody. All right, well, I mean, I, I see you back there. I've, I've never been, I don't know a lot about being pregnant. I've never been pregnant, at least not yet. I mean, I don't plan on being, but I mean, God, you never know these days. But, but here's what I do know. Uh, there's, no, there's no halfway. You know what I'm saying? You're either pregnant or you ain't. And you're either saved or you're lost. There's no uh, halfway. You're, you're either born into Adam in sin, and you're either lost, or you're born again in Christ, and you're saved. But that is our identity, and apart from Jesus, 
Our identity is in Adam and we're lost. And listen to me, it robs us from the life that God desires us to have. Genesis chapter one and two is your boy's favorite of all scripture. Because man, we see satisfaction. We see God's place. We see God's people. We see God's presence. And everything is awesome and beautiful and exactly how it was intended to be. But then chapter three happens. And that's not satisfaction, that's separation. And we're separated as God's people. We're separated from God's place. We're separated from God's presence. Now listen to me. That's what sin does in our life. And that's Egypt. They were in bondage. And that's exactly all of our stories, born into that bondage. But watch God work, because won't he do it? Won't he do it? Watch this. Be how they were delivered from it. We see what he delivered them from, but now we see how they were delivered from Egypt, the grace of God. One word, God. God. God had compassion. We see the heart of God. Look with me on the screen, Exodus 3, verse 7. The Lord said, I have indeed seen the misery of my people. He sees. I have heard them crying out. I, he hears because of their what? Their slave drivers. And I am concerned about their suffering. God sees. He saw their misery. Listen to me. God sees things that you can't see. And some things in your life you think is bringing you freedom. And God sees it and says, no, that's bringing them in bondage. But he sees. And he hears. He heard their cries. God don't need hearing aids. He can hear the cries of his people. And he knows what's best for us. I'm glad I got a God who can see and can hear. And he cares because he says, I came down. They didn't climb to him. I came down to them and rescued them out of bondage for us. It's Matthew 9, 36. Look with me on the screen. When he saw the crowds, this is Jesus. When he saw the crowds, he had compassion on them. Well, why? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And a sheep without a shepherd is lost. And that's where we are apart from Christ. And listen, that moves God to compassion. We see the heart of God. God sent them a deliverer. We see the man of God, not just the heart of God, but this is God's man. This is Moses. And, and let me just say this. What a picture of Jesus. What an awesome picture we have of Jesus. For them, it's Exodus 3.10 on the screen. So now go, I'm sending you. Moses wasn't running to Egypt. He was running, running from it. But it was God who had compassion. And it was God who sent the man. And he said, Moses, I'm sending you to bring my people, the Israelites, out of Egypt. Well, for us, guys, it's John 3, 16. For I so love the world that he sent his one and only son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish but have everlasting life. God had concerned the heart of God. God sent the man. We see the man of God. And listen, God made a way. We see the work of God. You want to talk about breakthrough? Well, here's your breakthrough. A sea split. Death to life. A sea split. Well, listen, that's interesting, isn't it? And we're just going to have to pause for a second, and we're really going to have to appreciate the Word of God this morning. Because what the Bible says is God sent an east wind, and the, and the waters were parted. Well, the Hebrew word for wind is ruach. I hope that's how you pronounce it. I'm not a Hebrew scholar, okay? I barely made it out of English class in ninth grade. But, but ruach, east wind, and it's the same word that's translated spirit. In the beginning, the spirit was hovering over what? The waters. And the waters is a representation of chaos. And waters is a representation of judgment. And where there was chaos, God spoke and chaos came to order. The spirit of God. It's the same in Noah when the floods came for 40 days and 40 nights. When God got ready to dry the ground, he sent an east wind that brought order from chaos. And God's judgment receded. And it's John 3.3, Nicodemus, you got to be born again. And Nicodemus says, what you talking about born again? 
He says, well, you don't understand what I'm talking about, Nicodemus? You're a teacher of the law? The Spirit of God's coming. And, and it's like the wind. The wind blows where it wishes. And the same as it is with the Spirit, it brings order from chaos, and it brings order into your life from chaos and the grip that sin has you in. And even this morning, the, man, the Spirit's just blowing in here, and it's working in some of your hearts right now, but that's what happens. God sent an east wind, and he made a way where there was no way. Here's what God didn't say. He didn't tell Moses, tell the people to build a bridge. And that's what people are doing, trying to build a bridge that will not stand. And people are trying to build a bridge to heaven that will not reach. God himself is the bridge builder, and he's already built the bridge. And by the way, he used two pieces of wood to do it. Two pieces of wood. Here's what he did say. He said, Moses, tell him, be still and look to God. And here's what we see. We see a mediator was given, Moses. We see a staff was raised, a piece of wood. We see the sea was split away through judgment. And we see an enemy was absolutely crushed, done away for forever. And for us on the screen, John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I'm the way, I'm the truth. And the life, and no one comes to the Father except what? Through me. Christ is our path, and he's the dry ground that we walk across. You know what that means? That means he's a firm foundation. And listen to me, he's our mediator. But Jesus is better than Moses. Moses was a man sent from God. Jesus is God sent for man. And he was raised on a cross over the waters of judgment. And he didn't just split the sea. Jesus was thrown into it so you could be pulled out. Like Jonah, when Jonah was running, and it was God's judgment on that ship, and he said, throw me over. And Jonah was thrown into the water. And then a fish swallowed him for three days, and then he was resurrected, if you will, or threw up by the fish onto the shore. And that's what Jesus did. He entered the waters so we could pass through. He stayed in the belly of death for three days and then resurrected. And because he was crushed by God's judgment, we get to pass through the sea and come out from death to life. This story screams Jesus. But then again, the whole Bible does, doesn't it? God was concerned we see the heart of God. God sent a man, we see the man of God. God made a way, we see the work of God. And God gave the faith, we see the gift of God. Because listen to me, it wasn't their quantity of faith. It wasn't their quality of faith. Don't you know some, some Israelites were probably like, okay, he doesn't split the sea, they walking through. And then don't you know some were probably like, ah, just going kind of slow. Some might have had more faith than others. It wasn't the quality of their faith. You know what it was? It was the object of their faith. They had faith in the Lord. And Jesus is the author, author, and perfecter of our faith. Would you put your faith in Jesus? Would you put your faith in Jesus if you can? If you can. And if you can't, we'll be praying for you. But if you can, put your faith in Jesus and pass through the waters from death to life. Not only how he delivered them, not only what he delivered them from, the grip of Egypt. Not only how he delivered them from it, the grace of God, but see what they were delivered into, a brand new life. A brand new life. I got a question for the Christians in the room. Are you walking in the life that God's brought you to? Are you walking in the victory that God has given you because God brought us out of something and brings us into something. Write this down. God calls us out to draw us in. God brought them out on purpose for a greater purpose. And the first thing we see them do is they step on the other side of that shore as they praise his name. A special people set apart to praise his name. One people, the seed of Abraham. One God, the God of Israel. And one glory, God's glory, they were set free to praise his name. And watch this, 
so are you. And so am I. First Peter 2, 9 through 10. But you are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. God's special possession that what? You can declare the praises of him who's called you out of darkness into a wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but now you're the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, now you've received mercy. This is your purpose. Listen to me, Christians. This is your purpose, to be trophies of grace and to praise his name. And you live for God's glory. And I'm not talking about singing. I'm talking about every day living God's people, God's presence, and all praise to the Lord our God. That's our purpose, to bring God glory. And we're the only ones that can do it. Because we're Christians and we're in Christ. And so when we eat, we eat to Christ. When we drink, we drink to Christ. When we dance, we dance for Christ. When we give, we give to Christ. When we serve, we'll serve for Christ. When we work, we'll work for Christ. Because we'll do everything for Christ. Why? Because to live is to Christ and to die is gain. That's why. Can you confidently say this? Can you say, God, if this next decision I'm about to make doesn't honor you, then I'm not gonna do it. Can you glorify him with your life? That is our purpose. Now let me show you the only problem. Here's the problem. When they crossed the sea, guess what crossed with them? Sin. <laughs> when they crossed the sea, sin crossed with them. And that's the problem. Now listen to me. Listen to me. Not only do we see the deliverance of the Lord to we see the forgetfulness of man. The forgetfulness of man. Chapter 16, 1 through 3. Here's what it says. The whole Israelite community set out for Elam and came to the desert of Sin, which is between Elam and Sinai, on the 15th day of the second month. Second month. Eight weeks. After they had come out of Egypt. Two months after in the desert, the whole community grumbled against Moses. What did boy Moses do? Right, right. They're grumbling against Moses and Aaron. The Israelites said to them, if only we had died by the Lord's hand in Egypt. At least there we sat around pots of meat and ate the food we wanted. But you've brought us out here in the desert to starve this entire assembly to death. Two months. Two months. And they're grumbling and complaining. Hey, man. Now listen. We look at that and we think, how on earth? We look at this story and we say, how in the heck can they do that? And we scratch our heads at their attitudes, but listen, how quick are they to forget what God's done for them? How quick are they to forget what God has done for them, bringing them out of bondage? And we look at these people and think, they're crazy. But what God is doing in his love this morning is he's putting a mirror up in front of us and he's telling us to look into it because this is exactly what we are. We're a forgetful people. And, and I like to think, man, if God just split the Atlantic Ocean and I walked across that bad boy, I like to think, man, I ain't gonna forget. But he's done so much more than that. And I don't last not only two months, sometimes I don't last two days. But we are a forgetful People, the forgetfulness, watch this. Here's a quote by Mark Dever. Forgetfulness of God's grace is one of the enemy's greatest tools in the enemy's war against our soul. It's one of the enemy's greatest tool in the war against our soul. And I, I believe it. I believe our biggest problem is walking in forgetfulness and forgetting what God has done for us and forgetting what really matters in this world. Why? Because listen, sin takes our eyes off of God and puts them on us. When you take your sin off of God or your eyes off of God, you put your eyes on yourself. When you put your eyes off your, on yourself, you take them off God. When you take your eyes off God, you're in trouble. And you start to fall into forgetfulness. Well, what do we forget? Well, we forget things like this. A, you forget what God's done. And you start forgetting what God has done for you. When God saves you, you turn into what I call a crown of gratitude. Man, you're just so grateful and so thankful. And that alone, that alone bubbles up and throws up on everybody else. And they say, man, something's different in their life. 
And you're a crown that shines glory all, all around you because there's something different. Like, man, why are you so happy all the time? Man, why do you not get bogged down when this is going on in your life? And the answer is Jesus. And you're so grateful for what he's done. And I've seen this play out in my own life personally. When I got saved, man, I didn't know no theology. I don't know nothing about no, no great deep doctrines of God. I just know I got, your boy got saved. I was lost and now I'm found. And everyone, man, something's different about you. What are you so happy about? Why are you so joyful? I was so thankful. Those who've been forgiven much forgive much. And I'll tell you what else. Those who've been forgiven much preach much. And those who've been forgiven much serve much and give much. And they're joyful and they're grateful. And that's how I was. And I'm not knocking theology. Listen, I want my daughter to be ferocious in the Word. I want her to grow up and know her Bible. Boy, don't dumb herself down for any boy. And the same for my, my son. I want him to know his stuff. But listen to me. Theology in the head that ain't connected to the heart grows cold. It grows cold. And man, some of the most meaningful things you could ever do is look back and understand where God brought you from. I remember one night. This is a true story. God saved me on a front porch in Johnson's Corner. And I remember one night, God said, I want you to drive back out there. And I did. I drove back out there. And I sat on that porch. He said, this is where I pulled you from. And I remember, I wept like a baby. And I remember I said, God, I'm so thankful for what you've done in my life. And gratitude is attractive. But when you forget where you come from, you're quick to grow cold. And instead of being a crown of gratitude that shines, you become a cancer of grumbling. You just become a cancer because look, you look for happiness in the world instead of finding your joy in Jesus. And happiness is cheap because happiness can be taken away from you in a second. Happiness depends on what happens. But when your joy is rooted in Christ, it don't matter what you walk through because your joy is in him and he's unmovable. But what happens is you try to find your happiness in the world. And you become selfish and we make everything about us and we become a cancer of grumbling. And instead of bringing people to Jesus, we push people away from Jesus. Watch this. You start fixing your eyes on people and not God. And guess what? People will let you down. They will let you down and you start growing bitter towards people in your life. And you'll start cutting off the hands that try to feed you. They grumbling against Moses. And what did Moses do? And this overflows in your entire life. Your family sees it. And your husband ain't your savior. And your wife isn't your savior. And your eyes is on them instead of God. And then they're going to let you down. And now you're bitter against them. And your kids start to see it in your life. And you're just bitter. And listen, man, you, you don't see everything that you see in your life is everything that's gone bad for you. And you don't see anything about what has been done good for you. You have your eyes and hopes on everybody else. When things don't go your way, you take it out on them. And listen to me, I love you so much. I love you so much that my heart breaks for you if that's you in here. Because that was me. And I was there. And I'm telling you, you got to get your eyes off people and, and their problems and what they're doing to you. And you got to get your eyes on God. And I'm telling you, when you do that, you'll walk in freedom. Watch this. There's no room for bitterness and grumbling at the table of grace, but a whole lot of gratitude and a whole lot of joy. And by the way, there's room at the table. Just go ahead and pull your chair up. And I'm telling you, who he sets free is free indeed. B, not only do you forget what God's done for you, you forget who you've become. You forget the identity that God's given you. We're recipients of grace. We have always been recipients of another man's performance. Always. Adam and his performance in the garden. It didn't go well. And we're recipients of his performance. We're born in Adam. And that's our identity. That's why, that's why Jesus can't, can't can't love the sinner, hate the sin? Because let me tell you something. When you get saved, you're not a sinner anymore. You may still sin, but you have an identity change. You're a saint. And before we're in Christ, what is there to love? We're in Adam. 
But then we're recipients of Jesus and his performance where Adam fell at a tree in the garden, became a curse. Jesus Christ became a curse on a tree. And it's his performance. And when we get saved, we're recipients of grace. And that's the identity that God wants you to walk in every day of your life. And so listen to me. But now sin in you will start looking back to who you used to be. Sin in you wants you to look back to who you used to be. And he'll whisper lies like, hey, a little bit better over here. And then all of a sudden, listen to me, you want to go back to Egypt. What? What? They wanted to go back to Egypt. God just pulled them from bondage. Now they want to go back from the place that God freed them from? And that's exactly what sin does in your life. Go back to Egypt. They were free from Egypt, but they were still walking in bondage. They were still walking in bondage, free, but walking in bondage. And listen to me, sin becomes attractive again, and you forget the bondage it brought you. And you start falling into the fleeting pleasures of sin. Moses left the palace and its fleeting pleasures of sin to be with the people. And your heart wants to flirt, and, and all of a sudden you start, you, you have this mirage, like you're in a desert, and you have a mirage, this daydream that, man, if I get that, then I'll be happy. Oh, man, I got to do this. Then it's going to work out for me. Oh, man, I'm going to go out just this one time. Then it's going to be great. And you're having a mirage, and listen to me, you fall for it. And then all of a sudden, man, sin will have you out here justifying things that God's already freed you from. Trying to justify things. I think about Lazarus when he raised him from the dead. He come walking out. He said, Lazarus, come forth. Pop boy hopped up out of grave and came forth. And, and what did he do? Here's what he said. He said, unbind him. Then let him go. But he unbound him. And listen to me. New men shouldn't walk around in old grave clothes. New men shouldn't walk around in old grave clothes. But when you take your eyes off of God and you forget who you are in Christ, I'm a child of God. My identity's in Jesus. It ain't about what I've done or could do. It's about what he's done for me. But then you forget who you are and your identity, and you'll start going and looking back to who you used to be and living for somebody else. Now listen to me. You forget who you are. But see, you forget where you belong. You forget where you belong. You forget where your home is. My, my passport says America, but the word of God says I'm a, I'm, my citizenship's in heaven. And God's word overrides my passport. And all of a sudden, you forget where you belong, and you begin to build for the wrong kingdom at a great cost. At a great cost, you start building for your own kingdom at a great cost. Uh, listen to me. We just forget what's important. You forget what's important. This world will have you out here chasing many gods. You'll be out here chasing many gods. And you forget about what's important in your life. Here's what I see a lot. I just see a, a need for more stuff. And I see this a lot. Burning yourself out to get it. Just doing whatever you can to get more stuff. A couple years ago, we had to buy a new car. Any of y'all ever had to buy a new car? <laughs> Is it fun? No, it ain't fun. But we had to do it, man. It's time to get Brandy a new car. And, and she, hey, I'm just going to be, I'm going to shoot you straight, all right? And, and don't feel bad for me if she's watching. Love you, girl. But here, she, she wanted the Arcadia, or however you say it, Arcadia. And I'm like, I said, <laughs> woo, girl, I bet you do. I bet you do. And, and here's the thing. And if y'all's budget's bigger than mine, I, that's all good. That's fine. I, I'm not mad. If you want to get to Tahoe, if you can afford to get to Tahoe. But listen to me. I know what, I, I know what I'm working on. I said, girl, you, you, I bet you do want me, Katie. And I just told her. I mean, this is like $30,000, $40,000 vehicles, brand new, $35,000, whatever. I said, girl, I said, girl, listen here. I bet I can tell you what we ain't going to get. <laughs> we ain't going to get that. And I told her this. I told her this. $25,000 is the most I ever spend. And that's, and that's being real generous. You hear me? Because I'm more of a 12. I, I'm in an 06 Explorer with duct tape windows. You hear me? And so I'm like, listen, that ain't happening. I'll I tell you what, though. i tell you what. If you can find one for $25,000 and we got to go to China to get it, we'll get it. And I, and I, and I, I walked out and I said, oh, would that be the end of that? And about five hours later, 
she, she called me up talking about, I found one. <laughs> you what? This girl had me driving to Marietta, Georgia. And, and, and she found one. I don't even understand how she did it. It's the work of God. She just found one. And we got, but here's where there's something in us that wants what we want, when we want it, how we want it. And here's what I see, man. I see people that aren't never content. Can I shoot you straight? Can I preach? Listen to me. I, I've seen people, and I'm not talking about any specific person. I promise you I'm not. I'm just talking about over the course of my life, here's what I've seen. I've seen a lot of people that have a lot more money than I got, got a lot more stuff than I got, and still trying to find second jobs and side hustles. And it ain't to meet their needs that they have. It's to get other stuff. And I'm like, man, is the, are they, is, there, is the reason because they're not content what they have already? And so now they're fishing for something more, and they believe when they get there, they'll be satisfied. And it's a lie. And it costs them. Them side jobs and side hustles cost them. And any of us in here that, man, that got our hopes set on that, it costs them way more than it pays. I'm not, I don't got a problem with side hustles. That ain't what I'm saying. Just hear my heart. All I'm saying is, is if it pulls you away from your walk with God, and if it pulls daddy away from leading his family spiritually, it's going to cost way more than it pays. And we get caught up in this world building our own tiny kingdoms. And we're living for the wrong kingdom because, listen to me, listen to me. You, you'll live for the wrong kingdom, and it's going to let you down. And then you start stepping away from community because now you don't want to face your sin. You don't want to hear the truth anymore. You don't want to listen to what God thinks anymore. You don't want to listen to what the pastor thinks anymore. You don't want to listen to what the community thinks anymore. And you start slowly stepping away, and D, it leads you to despair. You fall into despair. You can't find what you're looking for. Your hearts are set on earthly circumstances. So when circumstances give way, your heart goes with it. And listen to me. You can't feel eternal hunger with temporary satisfaction. You can't. If we find ourselves with a desire that nothing in this world can satisfy, the most probable explanation is that we were made for another world. You're made for another world, and that's where your kingdom is. Not only do we see the deliverance of the Lord, not only do we see the forgetfulness of man, but third and lastly, we see the only way forward. It's the only way. The only way to be happy in Jesus is trust and obey. The only way is to walk in what God has for you. Hebrews 12, 1 through 2. Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, because you can learn from the past, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run, let us run, let us run with perseverance. The race marked out for us. Well, how do we run? Fixing our eyes on Jesus, the pioneer and perfecter of our faith. For the joy set out before him, he endured the cross, scorning its shame, and sat down at the right hand of the throne of God. We fix our eyes on Jesus. What did Moses say? Be still and look at God. Listen to me, listen to me. Why are we so forgetful? Why do you so easily make life about you? How can we so easily forget what God has done for us and the purpose he has for us and the plans he has for us is better than the plans you have for yourself. God doesn't just save us by grace. We live our life in grace. We live our life that way. Listen to me. We've forgotten how to fight. We've forgotten how to live. You say, well, Blake, I can't do this. You never could do this. That's the whole point. And so there has to be a change in focus. We have to change our focus. A, get your eyes off yourself. Because earthly kingdoms make horrible gods. 
And selfish focus results in selfish living. And if God's not at the center of your life, then something else is. Matthew 6, 19 through 21. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy, but where thieves and break, break in and steal. But store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where the moths and vermin do not destroy and thieves do not break in and steal. Where your heart is, where your treasure is, your heart will be also. Don't set your heart on future yard sales. Oh, buy the online yard sale. All of that was somebody's treasure at one point. And now it's junk. Don't set your heart up for the future of garage sales and yard sales. And listen to me, and, and dumpsters and landfills. Don't set your heart up for that. Earthly kingdoms don't satisfy. And when we forget where our kingdom is, we start living for the wrong one. And we set our hearts on things that aren't healthy and it brings pain in our life. There's only one kingdom worth running for. And when you run for that kingdom, it's going to bring joy into your life because that kingdom will stand. It's going to stand. Jesus' kingdom is going to stand. All else will fade away, but the word of God will stand forever. Listen to me. They've been trying to kill Jesus for years. He's trending number one. He's number one. They've been trying to kill Christians for years. But you kill a Christian, and the blood of the saints will go into the soil and be seed that spreads the gospel. You can't stop this. And you say, you say, well, they're taking Jesus out of the White House. Jesus don't live in a White House. And you can't take Jesus out of anything. You pull the Bible off the shelf. Take prayer out of schools. Pull him out of the White House. You can't take anything away from Jesus. Jesus owns it all. You kidding me? We're winning over here. And he's flourishing. Christianity's flourishing. This kingdom will stand forever. Forever. B, get your eyes off your sin. Get your eyes off your sin. Let this free you. Walk out of here free. You hear me? Let this free you. It is not your performance for Christ. It's your position in Christ. My performance is filthy rags before him. I'm just walking up under the umbrella of grace. I'm just walking up under his umbrella and what he's done for me. It'll free you. And, and listen to me. Get your eyes off your circumstances. Get them off your circumstances. Because earthly circumstances aren't kingdom realities. You say, Blake, I'm poor. You're rich in Christ. You say, Blake, I'm sick. Cancer's been defeated. And the cure is Jesus. And we'll believe and we'll pray and we'll expect God to move. But we're also going to rest that the total cure is in heaven. And it's been won. You say, well, Blake, I don't understand why I'm in this desert place. I don't understand why I'm in this wilderness. All things are working out for the good of those who love the Lord. Right now, right now, all things are working out for the good of Christians who love the Lord. Even if you don't feel like it, and even if you don't see it, you can bank on it. It's working out for your good and His glory. God is working in all things for your good right now. I didn't say your happiness. I said your good. And if he knows how to care about the birds and clothe the fields, and if not one sparrow hits the ground without going through his hand, he's got you, dog. He's got you. I promise you, he has got you. Here's what Brother Paul would tell you, 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us our eternal glory that far outweighs them all. We fix our eyes, what? Not on what is seen, but on what is unseen. And since it is seen as temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. I got one more thing to tell you. D, get your eyes on Jesus Christ. 
and start living in the shadow of the cross. Galatians 2.20, Paul's secret sauce, he says, I've been crucified with Christ. It's no longer I who live, but Christ who lives within me. The life I now live in the body, I live by faith in God who loved me and gave himself for me. And I do not set aside the grace of God. I don't set aside grace. I walk in his grace every single day. And listen to me, for if righteousness could be gained through the law, Christ died for nothing. And I got good news for you. He didn't die for nothing. He died for something. And what he died for is you, his church, and his glory. Know what God's done. He split the sea and made a way. Know what he's done. He split the sea and made a way for you. That's what he's done. And know who you've become. From slaves to saints, I belong to Jesus now. My identity is in the Son, not my sin. And I'm going to walk in victory, and I ain't going to flirt with defeat. I ain't going to flirt with sin. I'm going to walk in the victory that I have in Christ and know how to live. Walk in the identity that God has given to you. Look to Christ. This is how you fight your battles. This is how. You look to Jesus. You want to love your wife better, you better look to Jesus. You want to love your husband better, you better get to Jesus. You want to be better at work, you better get your eyes on Jesus. You walk in the grace of God. This is how I fight my battles. When sin is crouching at my door, I'll look to Christ. He in me is stronger than he who is in the world. This is how I fight my battles. When cancer shows up on the x-ray, I'll look to Christ. And I consider that my present sufferings aren't worth comparing to the glory that will be revealed in us. Whether it's cancer or criticism, I look to Christ. And this is how I fight my battles. When depression sets in, I look to Christ because I know the truest thing about me is what God says about me. And this is how I fight my battles. When you just feel like the world's winning. And you just feel like the world is winning. I'll look to Christ. And it says, in this world you'll have troubles. But you take heart. I have overcome the world. The battle is won. You say, Blake, well, how do we fight? How do we live a victorious Christian life? We look back and remember what God's done. We look up and we know God is with me now. And we look forward and I know this is not my home, but the promised land is coming. Moses answered the people, do not be afraid. Stand firm and you will see the deliverance the Lord will, will, will bring you today. The Egyptians you see today, you'll never see again. God sent me out here this morning to remind you it's always been about Jesus. It is about Jesus, and it's always going to be about Jesus. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love for us. God, I'm glad I don't have to fight on my own. I'm glad you fought for me. I get to walk in victory, not, not work for it. And God, I'm, I'm thankful that you bring us to deliverance. God, that we can be saved, we can be saved from the grip of Egypt and the grip of sin on our life. And God, we are set apart, brought into something greater, a special people to praise your name. God, we worship you this morning. In Christ's name we pray. Amen.